Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Welcome back, guys. We're so glad to be here with you this week. We are talking about overcoming worry and anxiety. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good news is we we don't deal with that at all in our yeah, house. Yeah, it's not happening here, but no. I mean, other, pe- other, other people places really are going to benefit from It's probably this. happening. No. Yeah. We all deal with it, right? And sure. gosh, it's just happening all over the place yeah. in the world we live in right well, now. Well, I mean, there's just daily, you know, you turn on the news, you know, you can't help or scroll through social media. We should all stop doing both of those <laughs> things. <laughs> But at the end of the day, like, you know, we have to constantly be reminded of it's Jesus, right? Like when worry, anxiety comes, it's Jesus. And today we have an amazing guest with us who's talking all about how you overcome worry and anxiety. Absolutely. We are very blessed to sit down with the one and only Allie Worthington. Um, If you don't know Allie, go back and listen to one of our very first episodes where we had Allie on episode 19. Wow. One of our very first. We're so old. (laughs) (laughs) But we're excited to have Allie joining us again today, talking all about how to overcome the fear that holds us back. So we can't control what the world is going to throw at us, but we know how we will respond. And that in itself gives us a little bit of sense of control. So things don't seem so out of control and overwhelming. Just a small shift like that can make a difference on managing everything. You know what I love is that uh, Allie just gets real mm-hmm. and she gets honest and vulnerable on how we can truly push past our fears, trust God and kind of lean into the life that he's called us to. She really talked me through <laughs> how to not second guess what you hear from the Lord. Wow, you know, like yeah. when you are seeking him for your next move, like to, to lean forward and act in obedience. And she kind of talks us through some ways to know when you've actually heard from the Lord and how to move forward. Guys, this was such a great conversation. You're going to love it. Yep, totally agree, guys. Here is Allie. I think a lot of our, at least for me, a lot of my insecurity and anxiety comes from worrying if I heard correctly from the Lord or not. Can you talk about discerning the voice of God as we move forward in that obedience that you're talking about? I always hear from the Lord the most when I'm not going in the right direction. So it's I, now, mind you, I didn't hear from him the first time that I felt like in my spirit, you know, it's not audible. I wish it was. That'd be amazing. I was 30. So sometimes when I talk about this, women will go, well, I never have. Well, I didn't until I was 30. Um, and, and I became um, better at hearing him because I started recognizing kind of how he talks, right? And when there, when I'm going down a path he doesn't want me to go on, when it's time to move into a new season or it's time to make a change in life, that's when he will often become the most clear. One thing that's, that was very interesting in this season of my life is I had, I had just written Fierce Faith, which was all about overcoming fear. And when I'm, when I'm releasing that book and I'm going through a new era of fear in my life, which is about leaving this role. And... The Lord sent two women to me, two of my really good friends, one whom lives in California, one who lives in Houston. In the same day, I got two phone calls. And the first phone call was a friend saying, hey, the Lord wants me to tell you that you're just like Peter. You just don't have faith. You wrote this book about fear, and I don't think you even believe what you wrote. Mm. 
And I said, oh, okay, well, thank, thanks for telling me that. Hang up the phone and thought, well, that's, that's lovely, but she doesn't understand my situation. Then another phone call comes from my girlfriend in Houston. She goes, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like God wants me to ask you if you actually believe what you just wrote. <laughs> wow. And that's when I went, all right, Lord, you've got my attention. I mean, it's not, now that's probably the craziest thing that's ever happened in my whole life of hearing from him. But the way I've learned to hear his voice and recognize the difference between his voice and my own voice in my head and maybe the voices of other people or the voice of the enemy is I ask myself questions about what I'm hearing. If I feel like I've heard something, I ask, is this loving? Because God's voice to us is always more loving to ourselves than we will be. Does this message invite me to love him more and love myself and love others? That's a sign that it's from him. Am I being encouraged to step out in my faith? That's a big one. And my my two favorite kind of litmus test, if I'm hearing from the Lord, is, is this message shaming me into submission or encouraging me into obedience? Because God never shames us into submission. He always encourages us to obey Him. And then also, the, the last one that really makes a difference to me is, am I led to stay small with what He's telling me, or does this help me enlarge my faith? And when I take it through kind of that litmus test of what am I hearing, and of course there's the obvious, if it goes against Scripture, it's not from the Lord, but sometimes we need a little more nuance with it. And just that first one of, is this voice kinder and more loving to me than I would be to myself? That's a great key that it is of the Lord, and it's not us. Because I don't know about y'all, but I tend to be way harder on myself than than anybody else, right? Jenny does. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and if none of those work out, do you just wait for a phone call from your friends? <laughs> is that the, the, the alternative? If God is not getting my attention these other ways, it's a phone call. It's really, honestly, it's really funny because I find if he has been trying to get my attention, I mean, sometimes getting, sometimes he'll speak to us through scripture that comes alive, sometimes through other people, sometimes through situations, sometimes it's just feeling like, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that something feels off. Mm -hmm. But when I ignore it all, he just becomes louder and louder till at some point he's like, well, I guess people are going to have to give her a phone call because this is ridiculous. (laughs) He's like, block and block you and block your call. <laughs> All right. So you talk a lot about partnering with God but and the yeah. idea of like taking action, not just sitting around waiting for God to move or the dove to fall on your shoulder, right? But can you talk more about that? What does it look like to actually take action in your daily life to kind of overcome fear and anxiety? Well, I think that too often people say, well, I'm just going to be still and wait on the Lord. And Okay, that I get that. That's that's appropriate in some context. But to wait on the Lord, if, as we see it used in Scripture, to be strengthened by the Lord, it's, it's an active way of thinking of it. He doesn't mean for us to wait on Him to move in life, and we're just sitting on our couch eating Cheetos, watching TV. The way God works is through partnership with us to bring His purposes to the planet, whether that is to raise a, a great child who grows up to, you know, solve a cure for a disease or build a community garden or be an accountant or an entrepreneur, whatever it is that God's called us to do, we're doing great work in this world and we're partnering with him to do it. And I think sometimes I've fallen in this trap. We think that 
our work is only valuable to God and important to God to partner with him on if we're in the ministry. But I think that God cares about everything. I think he cares about the students we teach and the companies we build. And he planned for great things like Amazon two-day prime. That this <laughs> yes, is Lord. Him. And, yes, Lord. and it's only, it's not like we're sitting around going, I want to partner with God on my plan to rob banks. We're all doing great things and we're going to make the world a better place. And when you think about the idea of starting to become active, of going, okay, I know I want to make it across this finish line. I know God is going to be the one to strengthen me to get across this finish line, but I need to lace up my shoes and start running myself to partner with him on that. That makes a huge difference because it's a mindset shift. And when we think about partnering with God with overcoming fear and anxiety and worry, it means that we aren't going to be in denial about how we feel. We're not going to be in denial about what's essentially freaking us out. And we take the steps that we need to step. We lace up our shoes and we start walking. You know, what does that look like practically? For a lot of people, it's therapy and counseling. That's key. For some people, it's going to be medication. For other people, it's going to be just learning how to kind of cross-examine your thoughts. Like we talked about before, is this realistic? Is this something that I should be worried about? And for a lot of us, like I said, there we're in a season where we do have things to worry about, and it's it's responsible to be concerned about it. But where our anxiety kind of spirals out of control is we don't feel like we can do anything about it. And one thing, one tip that I like to give people to control that is to go, okay, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm going to kind of make plans. If this happens, then I will do why. If this happens, I will do this. If this happens, I'll do this. So we have a, three different scenarios for what can happen in the future. And then we kind of have a plan for how we'll respond to it. So we can't control what the world is going to throw at us, but we know how we will respond. And that in itself re- gives us a little bit of sense of control. So things don't seem so out of control and overwhelming. Just a small shift like that can make a difference on managing everything. Can you give us an example of what you're talking about from something in your life? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm doing, I'm going through this right now with school for all my kids. Mm-hmm. No, nope. yeah. if, if school opens as usual, I will do this. If school opens and has to close down for two months, here's my backup plan. If school doesn't open, here's what my plan is. And I'm not making a decision until we get really, really close, because I'm waiting to see what happens in the world. But either of those three things, if whatever happens, I know how I'm going to respond. Is it still scary? Sure. Do I still worry about making the right decision? Sure. But I've got a plan in place, and that really makes a difference. That's so good. One of the things you talk about, um, a way to get unstuck if we're feeling stuck in anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. is by getting our eyes off of ourselves and starting to serve those around us. Can you talk more about that? Well, I think that, especially again, in this crazy season that we're in with COVID, what I found myself do in March when everything became difficult is... I became very focused on myself and my family. How do I protect everyone? How do I do everything right? And very self-focused and kind of became obsessed with taking care of everybody as, as mothers often do and fathers. And then I slowly shifted into, yes, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to take care of our families. And even from afar, even though we're not gathering in big groups and life looks a little bit different, how can we make sure 
that we are taking our eyes off of ourselves and helping our fellow man. Sometimes that is financially with people in need. Sometimes that's donating our gifts and talents. For me, as, as a coach, I do a lot of free coaching calls to help business owners who are affected by COVID right now. And it just kind of helps us stay so focused on what we're afraid of and gets our eyes on other people. Because the thing is, if we're doing what we need to be doing every day, we're getting up, we're intentional, we're doing a good job, we're taking care of our families, we're doing our work, things in general are going to be okay. And we can take time away from worrying about the future and give to other people. And we're going to be so blessed by that. Now, whenever I say blessed, I always have people kind of freak out and go, what do you mean you're going to win the lottery? No, there's the blessing of peace and the blessing of provision and the blessing um, that we get on the other side of obedience to the Lord. Those are things that are that are incalculable. And it's for me, it's only through going, okay, I could worry about what's going to happen in the future, or I could make sure that I'm kind of turning my brain off in that sense and focusing on other people. One thing that I learned to do when all this started happening is I learned to schedule time for a freak out. Now that sounds crazy. I love that. (laughs) I actually, it's on my, I, I put this on my calendar for two different weeks in March because I would spend my time doing coaching calls and then I would, I would be so, you know, nervous for my clients and their big companies and their retail stores and, you know, what's going to happen with COVID with the big shutdown. And the only thing I wanted to do was cry and pray right at the beginning of this. And so I started scheduling literally on my Google calendar a couple of times a week, an hour. And it just said quality freak out time. <laughs> because sometimes we need to freak out and we need to worry and we need to read all the headlines and just let it out of our system. And then it gets out of our system and we can go back to, you know, running the family and doing work and doing a great job. But and even even now in fall, I still will schedule in a good 30 minutes of quality freak out time where I'll read you know, epidemiologist and scary news reports, but I get it out of my system and go, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let myself down spiral right now because I'm in the middle of the workday. But on Friday morning at 10 o'clock, that's my quality freak out time. And I'll think about it then. And it's such a small thing, but it really works. I love that. That is a, that's a great tip. I love the qualifier of quality freak out time. <laughs> You know, I don't this know is not going to be in lackadaisical, <laughs> unproductive freakout. This is a quality freakout time. You know, I'm going to call my yeah. friend who's afraid of the sinkhole, and we're going to talk about it. Have some quality freakout time. Have some quality freakout time. There's something about saying, you know what? I don't have time for this right now, but I've got you penciled in for later in the week, and we just kind of we turn it off. It works. Yeah, yeah you're good. right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you you talk a little bit, you know, this all of this is this idea of kind of overcoming fear and anxiety. And you give this tip, this five second secret tip is that yeah. you go to the freezer, you get a scoop of ice cream <laughs> and that's it in five seconds. <laughs> no. no. OK, that, maybe I was off. OK, what is this secret you've got? What do you do? Okay. So I love this. So I originally, Mel Robbins is an author and speaker. She came up with the five second rule, which shows that our brains are kind of programmed to keep us from getting in trouble, being in danger. Whenever we want to take action, whenever we want to do something that feels uncomfortable, your brain's kind of like, nah, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. 
it's kind of like when you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm getting up at five. I'm going to go work out. It's going to be great. Going to take on the day. And the alarm goes off at five. And in a split second, we go, nah, I'm just, I'm going to stay in bed. So she learned you can kind of trick the, your brain's processes by counting back five, four, three, two, one, and then just kind of launching yourself in to take action. Because if you can take action, you'll turn that thing off brain that wants you to stay inactive. And I practiced that and I really liked it because it's just such a simple, small trick, but it felt a little empty to me. And what I started doing with my own version of the five second secret is I brought God into the equation because you know, whenever we bring the Lord into a battle, we're going to win. So I would, it would be something simple like, for the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Five, four, three, two, one, go. When I have to make a phone call I didn't want to make, when I had to have a difficult conversation, when I was afraid of something and it made me want to, you know, eat ice cream and just binge watch TV instead of working on my business, whatever it is, I would remind myself that I'm partnering with God in this and I would count down five, four, three, two, one, and then I would go for it. And again, simple tip, easy to do, completely life-changing. Love it. That's that's good. Well, I mean, I'm going to try the five second ice cream thing, but if, <laughs> I'll pray if doesn't work, before I eat it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this question. You know, obviously you're an author, you, you know, you're a speaker, you're a coach, but you know, what is your hope and your prayer for somebody that picks up this book? What do you want them to kind of feel and experience when they put it down and they read through it? I think for everyone that reads this book, it is a it is a confirmation for what God is doing in their hearts. Everyone that's read it so far, because we're new in the process, has come to me and said, this confirmed everything I thought God was telling me. And I think what God is doing, the whole generation of people right now, men and women, is reminding them that he has more for them, that things can be difficult for some, things can be a little bit confusing, but he's calling for his people to build strength and insight and wisdom. And he has really, really good work for us to do, to partner with him to do it. And the one thing that will keep us from doing that is our own self-doubt. We take ourselves out of the game before we even start playing. And I think everybody has something inside of them, depending on their season of life, that God is calling them to, that they either haven't recognized yet, or they're ignoring, or they go, oh, no, 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 that's not for me. And God is building strength in people and building courage because he has great work for people to do. And that's sometimes that's work that no one will see. Sometimes the most important work that we do in our life is, you know, helping someone in a way that no one will ever know or breaking patterns that are unhealthy in our family that have gone down for generations. And, you know, yours is the first generation that's going to break that pattern. That's important work. It's, It's work that you have to partner with God to do. And I think he is, like I said, he's calling a generation of people to get strong and to partner with him to bring his purposes to the world. Love it. So good. Well, uh, as you know, we like to wrap every episode with three questions that goes a little like this. And the Mm -hmm. first one is, what's a book that's impacted your journey? Well, recently, and here's the thing, I almost didn't read this because of all the hype, because if there's hype around something, um, I'm leery. But I'm all about Atomic Habits from James Clear. So good. Yeah, I, I loved that. Enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I bought it on audiobook because I thought, oh, it's not going to be that great. I'll listen to it. <laughs> and I loved it so much. I have the hardback. I, it's dog-eared. I underline it. I will make myself reread sections every once in a while to make sure I'm keeping up with my habits. So good. 
What 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 did you love about it most? What was something that stood out to you? I just finished it on Audible as well, so I loved it. It's so good. The the concept of calling things out and announcing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is huge. So I, I use it all the time for what I'm eating because the the concept is if you announce, if you say out loud what you're doing, you will either be like, oh, this completely aligns with where I want to go in life or this is going to hurt me. And so from, okay, like you were saying, getting that pint of ice cream and, mm-hmm. and binging TV, if you go, I'm going to go get this pint of ice cream out of the, out of the freezer and I actually shouldn't be eating it at 2 a.m., <laughs> There's something about literally saying it out loud where you're where you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll just I'll just go back to bed. So there's something really powerful about announcing even to ourselves what we're about to do and what that means for our life. That's so good. I love that. Okay, the second question is, um, what's a habit that's changed your life? Which you know, you just had this big book. What is there another habit? Um, the habit that has changed my life most honestly is getting up at 5 a.m. Because I have such a big family. You know, I, I work in my office at home all day. And then as soon as I'm done with work, it's family time. And we have you know, middle, we have elementary school, middle school, college. There's no time to be alone until I go to bed. So I really love the about two and a half hours I get in the morning to think and be alone and and figure out life mm-hmm. because if I don't do that I'm never going to be alone again until the next day <laughs> girl I get it we got five as well so yeah. yep it's huge yep and then the last one is what advice would you give to the younger Allie I would tell the younger Allie to go for it because nobody is paying attention I think sometimes when we're younger we think oh if if I try to build a skill or I put myself out there or I, I fail or make a mistake, every, everyone's going to laugh at me. But the truth is, everybody's just worried about themselves. Mm-hmm. And the joy of, for me when I was younger, the, the joy of starting, if I could go back and start what I'm doing now, I would say just have fun with it. Have fun with it while nobody's paying attention. That would be life-changing for me. I love that. So good. All right. Well, Allie, where can people find you, look you up, give you a digital high five? Yeah, at AllieWorthington.com. And my podcast is The Allie Worthington Show. Awesome. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. This was great. Well, thanks again, as always, for coming and hanging out with us here at the Live It Well podcast. We hope that this message encouraged you as much as it has us. As always, we'll have all the links mentioned in today's episode over in our show notes at our website, letsliveitwell.com. And we would love to hear from you. You can find us and follow us on all the social platforms, Facebook, Instagram. We would love to hear what's going on in your life and stay up to date with all things at Live It Well. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We're going to close it out like we do every single week. It's great to be back for a season. And it's great to be saying this again. So let's all say it together. Remember, you only get one life. Live, Live it, it well. well.